John chapter 19, begin reading at verse 31. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was an high day, besought Pilate that they that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first and the other who was crucified with him, meaning Christ. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they broke not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and immediately came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bore witness, and his witness is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe, for these things were done, that the scriptures should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, who at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about an hundred pound weight, then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in the garden a new sepulcher in which was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus therefore because of the Jews preparation day for the sepulcher was near at hand. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for the reading of the scripture and pray, Father, that you will bless the word of God even as we read it and understand it and to seek to apply it to our own lives in understanding the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we come to this passage, we see here that um, the events concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection have come to this point. In particular, uh, they are ready to take the, the body of Christ down from the cross. And so these events follow his, his death as he is now uh, shown here as being uh, already expired upon the cross and the two thieves are on either side uh, of him. Uh, this afternoon as we look at this, we're going to be looking at these uh, three or four areas here. The Jews observe the Sabbath preparation of the Passover as we find that this uh, particular Activity when they were uh, going to observe the Sabbath day also fell upon the week of Passover, um, the beginning of Passover week. Uh, so there was a special, it was called a high day or a great day. 
as it was not only the Sabbath day, but it was also the observance of the Passover. Uh, Secondly, the Jews asked Pilate to remove the dead so the Sabbath is not defiled. And um, the defiling of the Sabbath was had to do with any dead body which just happens to be left uh, upon the, the, the Sabbath. It should be taken care of before that day of uh, rest and, and celebration or worship, I should say. And, of course, that comes out of the book of Deuteronomy uh, where that was first instituted. Also... Um, Thirdly, the soldiers break the legs of the two thieves. Um, This is a kind of an unusual um, thing, perhaps, that you think about, going along and breaking the legs of the person just before he died, but it is called the crurifragrum. They basically took a a mallet of some kind and and struck the leg, I suppose the forepart of the leg, and uh, it broke the leg so that their body could no longer be held up by the feet. Um, and so immediately the weight of the body would come down, uh, uh, and basically the arms would be the only thing holding the body up. And it would cause, the, of course, the lungs and so forth to collapse and uh, that the person would expire much more quickly. Um, But we'll see in the text, as they came to Jesus, he had already expired. He was not uh, alive at that time. And they noted that. And that is why the soldier uh, thrust his spear into his side, because he was already expired. But the two thieves uh, suffered the the blow uh, of the confregrum, or however that might be. It's a Latin term meaning to break the legs. Anyway, uh, the soldiers break the legs of the two thieves, and then lastly, they pierce the side of Jesus. And uh, this uh, being fulfilled because God providentially um, made prophecy concerning this, that not only that a bone of him should not be broken, but that uh, they would pierce his side and uh, that this would later become a prophecy to be yet fulfilled, uh, part of it it at least, in the future. A bone of him should not be broken, and also that they would look on him whom they have pierced. And, uh, of course, the future element of that is that when Christ returns, uh, the Jews will look on him whom they have pierced. So it was not only something to be fulfilled on the near side of the prophecy concerning the death of Christ and uh, they looking upon him whom they had pierced, but also it is going to be a far fulfillment in in prophecy because it's even mentioned in, um, in Ezekiel and it's also mentioned again in the book of Revelation. Uh, so it's uh, quite an interesting uh, prophecy as we consider prophetic fulfillments. So let's look at the first of these here. The Jews observe the Sabbath preparation and Passover in verse 31, and I'll read that again. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation 
that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. For that Sabbath day was an high day, and besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. And so here is the, the sense of the, um, um, the breaking of the legs and also of this, of this Sabbath day. In the book of Deuteronomy, I'll pull that up here and try to read it. In the book of Deuteronomy it says, And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be, be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. And so it goes way back to the book of Deuteronomy in chapter uh, 21, verse 22 and 23, uh, that um, they should not allow that a, a body that was hanged on a tree remain so, because it would defile the land. Now that takes us to uh, the whole reason for the uh, Jewish uh, officials uh, employing Pilate that um, he would take the bodies down from uh, crucifixion. And because the Jews therefore besought it was the because it was the preparation that is the preparation before the before the Sabbath and preparation before the the Passover week that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day for the Sabbath day was an high day and one of the translations uh, according to Calvin says that it was called um, the great day the great day. Or in this particular case, they call it here a high day um, because it was a special celebration of um, not only the Sabbath, the recognition of the Sabbath, but because it was the recognition uh, of the Passover. And now if we, of course, understand what the Passover is all about, we know that the Passover goes back to the book of Exodus. And uh, it is a, a commemoration of their exodus their um, uh, being let go, if you will, by the hand of Pharaoh, letting go, um, not without some great constraint, but Pharaoh allowed, of course, the children of Israel to go uh, into the desert to worship. And uh, that, was the, after, that was the last of the ten plagues, of course, and uh, the death angel was to pass over um, the land. And uh, if there was blood upon the doorpost and upon the lintel, um, then they, uh, the, the people in the house would be safe. And uh, if I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. And so the, the death angel looked uh, particularly for the blood, the blood of the Lamb. And uh, this, of course, pictures the Lord Jesus Christ in his death. He is called the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And it is through the shed blood of Christ uh, that we recognize that the blood is efficacious for our sins. Uh, without the shedding of blood, the scripture says, there is no remission of sins. 
No remission of sins without the shedding of blood. And Christ came, of course, to shed His special uh, blood for us. That is, that blood of atonement uh, that was that was for us. And so a person so executed was under God's curse, and his body, if left exposed, would defile the land. Also, we read in the the book of Galatians, in chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so we find that um, uh, even the New Testament uh, recognized the the uh, same passage in Deuteronomy and that Christ himself would carry the curse for us that we would not suffer uh, any longer the curse of our own sin but rather Christ became sin for us and he who knew no sin became sin for us and bore that upon the cross which we could not endure which we could not endure And so we find here this uh, very important uh, scriptural passage concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that uh, he was to be taken down from the cross. And as we continue reading here in verse 31, it says that they besought Pilate that their legs might be broken. Now, of course, and this is the reason. Uh, they, they wanted the bodies to die so that they could take them down off the cross. Uh, typically, uh, Roman crucifixion was a slow death, a slow agonizing death. In fact, uh, it was uh, quite uh, torturous. And uh, we find that they could, they could continue lingering in the state of life uh, for three, four, and maybe even a whole week, uh, depending upon the person, uh, without this um, breaking of the legs at that particular time, um, they uh, would continue to uh, live. The persons would live. But we see that Christ uh, had already expired. He had paid the full sacrifice for our sin as God sent his only beloved son, his only begotten son into the world to die for our sins according to the scriptures. And so as we uh, see in the second place here, the Jews asked Pilate to remove the dead so the Sabbath is not defiled. Now, uh, the Jews, uh, ironically, the Jews are so worried about the particulars of the law, but yet they crucified Christ who was innocent. Christ was completely innocent of any crime. Uh, He committed no sin. He was innocent. Pilate even could find no fault in him. Uh, But because of the prejudice of the Jews and of their their, uh, claim um, of blasphemy against the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, because he said he is the Son of God, they desired him to be killed, to, uh, to suffer this crucifixion. 
Now remember, they took him before Pilate, and they they caused that uh, he go through this this trial of sorts, which would uh, uh, put him in the place where Pilate would have to make some kind of judgment upon him. And because the Jews would not take him and 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 suffer the consequences of their own of of, of allowing him to be to be crucified or killed, I should say killed under their own law or stoned under their own law, they wanted the blame to fall on Pilate. And so they, um, they uh, brought him before Pilate, and Pilate, was, of course, being the governor, uh, that he was uh, allowed to make this judgment, but yet he said himself he could find no fault in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so the Jews uh, sought to um, to carry through with the letter of the law, but they could not live up to the spirit of it. They could not live up to the spirit of it. In fact, what, did, what was they neglecting? They were neglecting to recognize Jesus as the true Messiah of God. That's what they were neglecting. They were neglecting to recognize him as that one who came forth from the Father and uh, who was the true uh, and right heir to the throne, if you will. And so we find that the Lord Jesus Christ um, is uh, wrongly accused and, of course, condemned to die. The Jews asked Pilate to remove the dead. And so they come to um, the, the two on the side, crucified beside uh, the Lord Jesus and they see that they are alive and uh, they break their legs that they might suffer death uh, but Jesus uh, they did not break the legs of him uh, that he would suffer death and we find that that would be um, a fulfillment of scripture as well and so Jesus had already died so his legs were not to be broken instead just to make sure what did this what did the soldier do but he had this long spear and he thrust it into the side of the Lord Jesus and of course um, blood and fluid came flowing out of the side of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, some have seen various uh, kinds of things or significances from this blood and water coming out of the Lord Jesus. Uh, But yet we find that the basic truth of it is that it would ensure that Jesus was truly expired, that he was truly dead. Because uh, the separation of the blood and the water in that uh, area of the heart where they would have speared the Lord uh, only proved that the Lord was truly expired. He had died already. And of course uh, the spearing was to account for that. If he had not been truly dead, then he would have somehow made some motion or somehow recognized, they would have recognized that he was still alive. But he was not alive. They, they knew he was dead. And the, the spearing of him was to assure that. And so what does this do for us but to give us the full assurance that we know the Lord had expired upon the cross? Uh, because some, in their arguments, what do they want to say? They will say, oh, Jesus only swooned upon the cross. He only swooned meaning that he fainted 
or that somehow he became unconscious, but yet he was still alive. But see, by spearing the Lord, uh, this could be disproved. There was no sense of swooning if, if somebody was, would uh, bleed out from their body with blood and water. Uh, there was no swooning involved in it. Uh, when he would be taken down, it would be uh, well assured that uh, Jesus had expired. And uh, he had done it well before uh, the soldier had, had speared him. And so this, uh, this section here also relates to the sense of an eyewitness account. Now remember John is writing this. Uh, John the Beloved uh, writes this as an eyewitness statement of those things that occurred concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you have an eyewitness account, it is more uh, assuring to the fact of what has taken place. And so the section relates to the testimony of the eyewitness who is also most probably, in this case, known to us as the John the Beloved. And so reading on here, verse 32, Then came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they broke not his legs. They broke not his legs. Now, uh, as I said, this is uh, a part of the fulfillment of what the scripture has to say concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we find in the book of Exodus in chapter 12, in verse 46, it says this, In one house shall I be eaten, Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof, and all the congregation of Israel shall keep it. Now this was some of the requirement concerning the killing of the Passover lamb and uh, the observance of the Passover lamb and how they were to treat the Passover lamb. Not a bone of that lamb was to be broken. And Jesus, remember, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover lamb. Jesus is the one who died for the sins of the world. Jesus is the one that John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus is the one who uh, is fulfilling the very prophecies of Scripture. And so as he hung upon the cross and he expired and died for the sins of the world and said, It is finished. Um, he had fulfilled the will of the Father. We find that not a bone of him shall be broken. And so the fulfillment of the Passover lamb in the Lord Jesus Christ would be completed here um, at the uh, crucifixion, the events of the, of the crucifixion. Also we find that in... Uh, uh, Numbers in chapter 9 and verse 12, it says this, They shall leave none of it unto the morning, nor break any bone of it according to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. Now remember, this is Passover week, if you will. This was not only the Sabbath day, um, that Jesus uh, is crucified, he is crucified, and now this is the Sabbath day, um, they want coming at night at, at the close of the day it would turn into the Sabbath day and uh, 
there would be this preparation, this uh, feast of the Passover. And so here is Jesus, not a bone of him is broken. Um, and uh, we find that it was according to the ordinance which was given concerning the Passover to keep it. And so the prophecies would be fulfilled upon this, this very thing. And also in Psalm 34.20 it says this, 3420, uh, he keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Not one of them is broken. And so there are several different passages here that we look at that mention this fact that not one of his bones should be broken. So Christ fulfills the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning the Passover lamb. The observance of that would take place the Jews would want to take him down, take Christ down from the cross, because the dead body could not be allowed to remain so. And the second and third being that uh, he would be recognized for the fact that not a bone of him would be broken and uh, that they would assure the death of Christ through uh, allowing a soldier to pierce his side. And so as we come to verse uh, 32 to 37, the soldiers break the legs and the two of the two thieves uh, here. And so let's just read a bit further in verse 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and immediately came there out blood and, and water. Blood and water. And so this prophecy uh, also is one which is spoken of in the scriptures. And uh, one of them being in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. Zechariah 12:10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Now, um, two, two different phrases uh, are used here that you may recognize. Um, mourneth for his only son. And uh, also the phrase, in bitterness for his firstborn. Of course, Jesus was called the only begotten Son of God. Jesus also is the first begotten of God. The only, the only begotten of God. The, the only Son, as we might say, of, the Lord, of God the Father. Because he is the incarnate Son of God. Incarnate meaning that uh, he came into the world conceived of the Holy Spirit, born in the womb of Mary, and that uh, Mary would bear the seed of the Christ child, though there would be no human father, it would be a divine incarnate seed by the Holy Spirit, by God the Holy Spirit. And so both of these elements uh, stand out to us here. Also in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, 
and every eye shall see him, and they also will which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. And it goes on to say, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And of course we know that uh, John, the beloved, is the same John that wrote the book of Revelation, as uh, also that wrote um, the book here um, that we are looking at this morning. And so um, this is very significant concerning the prophecies of Christ. Not a bone of him shall be broken, and they shall look on him whom they have pierced. And of course we remember Thomas. When Thomas finally did get to meet Jesus after the resurrection, and he appeared to Thomas in the upper room with the others, uh, Jesus compelled him to see the nail prints in his hand, and to thrust his hand into his side uh, because it was a wound which was obviously visible and large enough uh, that a person's hand could be put there. Uh, And uh, so we find that Jesus said this to Thomas, uh, proving to Thomas that he was the Christ, he was the Son of God. And uh, and so this became an evidential uh, element of... um, assuring Thomas that Jesus was truly the Christ. And uh, what does this do for us today? Well, it reminds us that there are scriptural evidences. You know, as we think about apologetics, the Word of God is our best apologetic. Um, It comes from the word apologia, and it means a defense of the scriptures. But the Word of God is our best apologetic. Uh, And uh, all we have to each of us can be an apologist in the sense of searching out the scriptures and seeing what the Bible has to say. And if somebody wants to know an answer, um, these are things that you can say to them. These are scriptural evidences that you can say to them, and they are adequate to show uh, the Lord's death. The Lord's death. And adequate to say that that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Adequate to say that Christ fulfilled prophecy. Adequate to say that he is the true Christ of God. He is the true Messiah of God. And he is the one who came uh, to bear the sins of the world. And so the last uh, uh, element here on our, our outline, they pierce the side of Jesus. They pierced his side. Uh, you, you might think that is a cruel thing, but providentially God allowed this all to take place, uh, that uh, it, there may be these evidences for us to see. And uh, so now we come to the portion, um, read, reading further here, verse 36, uh, verse 35 and through 36, And he that saw it bore witness, and his witness is true, And he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, They shall look on him whom they have pierced. Uh, The last uh, few verses here, of course, concern the burial of Christ. 
And uh, we see in verse 38 to 42 where uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus uh, become also um, witnesses to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Joseph of Arimathea claims, claims the body of Christ from, from Pilate. Uh, now why does he do this? Well, since the Jews required that these bodies be removed, that the Sabbath day be not defiled, and since Jesus is proven to be truly expired already, and the soldier has pierced his side, and there was no need to break the legs of the Lord Jesus, uh, we find now jo- uh, Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate. And after this, this is verse 38, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And so uh, Pilate uh, goes, uh, rather, Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate and asks him that he could have the body of Jesus, that he might prepare it for burial because the Sabbath was at hand. And, uh, and so he takes the body of Jesus. And something else that we should take note of here is that Joseph um, of Arimathea was a disciple of Christ. Now remember he is a in some sense, part of the Jewish order as well, which is significant. Because you may remember uh, in the same chapter that there was an unknown disciple that was known to the high priest who allowed, who went to the door and said to the maid at the door, let Peter in that he may be a witness of these things. And so remember, this is at the time when Peter would later deny the Lord. And there was a secret disciple who, who appealed to the high priest. Now, could it have been Joseph of Arimathea? It, it, it kind of looks that way to me. But if it wasn't him, it might have been Nicodemus. Or, or you know, because it is un, unnamed, he is unnamed, we don't know for sure. But here it, is, it tells us that Joseph of Arimathea was a disciple of Jesus, but he was secretly a disciple of Jesus for fear of the Jews. And so he goes to Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus, and there came also Nicodemus, who at at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Now, if you've never um, had seen myrrh or aloes, aloes they are they are a very fragrant um, spice, and they they even make little bottles of oil of myrrh and frankincense and and aloes. They make these they make these little bottles of oil that have these the spice in it. And you can buy them, uh, but this was uh, evidently probably uh, some kind of a natural, um, organic uh, material. It probably wasn't oil because there was a hundred pound weight of it, so it was probably in more, the more raw form. And um, it was used to anoint dead bodies, uh, bodies of those that would be put away in a sepulcher, 
and uh, they would put them on the on the body and wrap the body with this linen cloth, clothes, a cause. And uh, we remember Lazarus when he came forth from the tomb, and Jesus said, "Unwrap him." <laughs> you know, he was alive. <laughs> he was alive after Jesus resurrected the Lazarus, and they had to unwrap him because he still had his linen clothes on him. And uh, probably Jesus had something similar. Uh, as that, though we aren't really told for sure. Uh, but the important point here is that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they come and they claim the body of, of Jesus and they, uh, they take his uh, body and take him to the tomb. Look at verse 41. Oh, excuse me, 40. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. So unlike the Egyptians, they, they just take the body and prepare it with these spices and wrap them up. Uh, the Egyptians do something much more elaborate, of course, uh, uh, and mummify the, the body of people uh, at that time, but uh, Jews not so. Uh, and uh, we find that they they simply um, put these uh, spices upon him, wrapped him up, laid him in the tomb. Verse 42, There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day. So this was done in a great haste, you might say, very quickly, uh, that they would do this. Uh, because it was uh, almost the Sabbath day. Uh, remember, that would uh, happen at sundown. And the burial had to take place quickly. So the Jewish burial customs did not uh, involve any other elaborate forms of, of uh, preparations to the body. Uh, but we find that uh, they very quickly uh, took care of the body of Christ, laid him in the tomb, and it was a new sepulcher, as the scripture requires of us, uh, as it says. It was a new sepulcher, a new tomb, in a private garden, uh, not in a cemetery. And remember, this is the tomb of, that Joseph of Arimathea had prepared, perhaps for himself. A, a family tomb. And, um, and so they put him in this, and they sealed it up. Of course, as uh, we would go on to see... Uh, that uh, when the women came on the first day of the week, they came to a tomb that was sealed. Sealed, but then the, that is they thought it was sealed. And when they came, of course, it would be open and the stone would be rolled away. So the burial is part of the gospel message. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. So if we read in 1 Corinthians 15... What does it say? And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, this all proves, of course, and gives us scriptural evidences of uh, those things that were done, that the word of God may be secured upon our hearts and that faith may be placed upon the Lord Jesus. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know 
that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15:58. So we can have great assurance of faith realizing that Jesus is truly the Christ, the Son of God. His claims were valid. He came born of a virgin. He came even as the prophets spoke of him. And that he lived and he died in the fulfillment of the word of God. And that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. And so Isaiah 53, uh, the very passage is often called uh, the gospel of the Old Testament uh, because it contains uh, all of those elements of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, of his death, burial, and uh, of the sacrifice which he made for our sin. And, uh, of course, that gospel, that gospel of Isaiah was preached by Philip unto the Ethiopian eunuch, whereby the eunuchs said that he did believe and, uh, and uh, he wanted to be baptized right then and there. And, uh, and so as Philip instructed him about the Lord Jesus and of what it meant to believe and to accept Christ as his Savior and to be baptized, uh, the eunuch says, well, water is right here. What hinders me from being baptized? And immediately, of course, uh, Philip baptized him and then was, uh, was uh, immediately taken out of the area by the work of the Spirit of God. Uh, just how that happened, I'm not exactly sure. Some, somewhat of an Elijah thing going on there uh, that we aren't fully uh, told about. But uh, God used him in preaching the gospel message of Christ to the Ethiopian eunuch. And so we have this wonderful message of Christ and of redemption and uh, of these events at the time of the crucifixion. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we give thanks and praise to you for your blessing. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. And we recognize, Lord, that this message is to be taken to the whole world. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And so we give thanks and praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And, uh, very good, we'll um, close with our hymn which is number 227. 227, He Loves Me. Shall we stand together? He Loves Me. 227. Start again. I wasn't quite with you, Jude. Okay? Start again. Alas, and did my Savior bleed and did
sinners such as I. He loves me, He loves me, He loves me, this I know. He gave Himself to die for me, because He loved me so. One